Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. Do you have a Bible? Do you have a notebook? Do you have a pencil? Do you have your reference tools? Because on this Monday afternoon, we are about to begin our very, very much a step-by-step journey, a step-by-step study through the book of Amos using what we are referring to as the most comprehensive book Bible study method ever put together. So grab a Bible, grab a notebook, grab a pencil, grab your reference tools, because we are about to begin. And with that, I would like to welcome everyone. Welcome everyone to the Theology Central Podcast. It is Monday, August the 22nd, 2022. It is currently 3.26 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studios located right here in Abilene, Texas. I hope you're ready. I hope you have everything you need. We did send out a lot of books today, right? A lot of people emailed me saying, hey, I need this or I need this. So I ordered the books. They're on their way. Hopefully they will prove to be beneficial and helpful. Um, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to send people out, you know, resources and reference tools so that they can study the Bible on their own. We do the best we can. We obviously have a limited amount of money. But if there's something you need, email me. If we can, we will provide you the reference tool, the resource material you need so that you can study the Bible. We will do our best. That is my absolute promise. But uh, books have been ordered, so hopefully they'll be on their way and arriving um, at your door soon. If that puts you a little bit behind, well, then just continue to listen to every episode because I'm going to be walking through the entire study process with you. This is not a situation where I'm just going to turn on the microphone and go, okay, here's the next few steps you need to do. Here are the next steps. Uh, I'm going to kind of come, I'm going to give you the, the steps, but I will also in between that be turning on the microphone, working on each step to some level, trying to kind of walk you through the actual study process, showing you how it works, and in a sense, providing information for you that will hopefully benefit and help your own study. All right. So I hope you are ready. We are, again, I'm going to state this again. We're using what we are calling the most comprehensive book Bible study method that we can put together. You can go back and listen to all of those episodes teaching you the method, but it's of no value to teach you a Bible study method if all you do is know a Bible study method. You've got to use it. You've got to put it into practice. And a lot of people... When they learn a method like the one we taught, when you put all of those things together, it's a pretty, I mean, I I believe it's one of the most comprehensive ones you can find. They can look at all the steps and they'll be like, okay, well, where do I start? How do I do this? This is a little overwhelming. So if I can turn on the microphone going, okay, are you ready? All right, we're going to take step number one. Now, not, I'm not saying that in a like, you know, a patronizing way, like I'm mocking you. I'm going to say that because I believe we have to take it step by step so that you become comfortable with the Bible study method. And as you become more comfortable with it, it will become more natural. And then hopefully it will lead to a lifetime of actually studying the Bible, actually studying the Bible, not just listening to what everyone else says, not just reading and telling everyone what you think you know, but actually engaging in the study of God's Word, which is an amazing privilege if you think about it. Uh, There is a God, but he was under no, he had no responsibility. He never had to give us any revelation of himself. He didn't have to give us any information. He did not have to place his, in a sense, revelation in written form. And then you are provided a copy so that you can read and study and meditate and memorize it anytime. That, that is a privilege. It's an honor. And so hopefully I can teach you these steps so that you can engage in that privilege and that honor in a meaningful way, so that you can rightly divide the word of truth, so that you can read it and so that you can understand it, all right? I I hope that all makes sense. And so I guess I need to say this. These episodes, these episodes are going to be maybe somewhat unique, right? It may be like, okay, here's part of this step. They're not going to be 
Well, you'll just see. Put it this way. I think I think if you stick with us through this entire study, you're going to find that each episode it ha- takes on its own unique character. You may like the way I approach some of it. You may not. Sometimes you may think, well, he didn't really give us a lot because whatever step we're on, whatever we're looking at, I'm just going to give that information. I'm not worried. I'm not really worried about how it, I'm not worried about the production of it. I'm not worried about how it's put together. I am concerned about the usefulness of it. I am concerned about how it helps you not necessarily well you he could have he could have taught that uh, no it's this is about hey i guess what i really want to try to make it feel like is hey what are you doing right now hey I, i'm i'm getting ready to work on our bible study method do you have a few minutes well let's sit down together and let's work on it like if if two friends were sitting down working together on, on a bible study method right it wouldn't be it wouldn't be like coming across like a well produced podcast it would come across more like well what about this well what do you think about well we could look here well we could it's going to be very it's going to have that feel right more just like hey let's let's talk this through hey what about this what about that and then I, I really, it's designed for me to say those things, but you have to respond. See, if you don't give me your response, then this is, it's going to be, again, it's going to turn more into me doing the talking and you doing the listening, but it's supposed to be, we're working together to find as much information and to, to use this Bible study method to study the book of Amos. We're really trying to accomplish two things. I want you to not, I've already taught you the method. I want you to be working on putting those, that method into practice by me walking you step by step through it so that you, when it's finished, you're like, man, I can do that method. I don't, I don't need any, I, I, just give me my Bible, my reference tools. I can use that method. So the one objective here is to help you really gain confidence and understanding of the Bible study method itself. Second, the goal is obviously for you to end this study going, I know the book of Amos better than I could have ever known it. I, I, I've got, I mean, wow, that gave me a lot of information and hopefully spiritual growth as well. So I, I want you to learn the method and I want you to look the look, I want you to learn the method and I want you to learn the book of Amos for your spiritual edification and growth. And I think the Bible study method will help you grow spiritually. And obviously, anything from God's word will help you grow spiritually. So we're, it's going to be just every episode is going to have its own unique character. Every episode is going to be a little bit different. So you're never really going to know what's going to happen unless you tune in. See, that, that does that sound good? Now, we've received, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat excited because I think we've received more emails for the beginning of this study than we have for any other study that we've done. The Matthew 24 was up there. I mean, that was, there was a lot. I think we've already exceeded the Matthew 24 emails. Now, I, now I, in some ways, I'm a little disappointed because personally, I think our, our looking at Luke 10 about who is my neighbor, 1 Corinthians 13, loving my neighbor, 1 Timothy 2, praying for my neighbor, Matthew 18, you know, forgiving my neighbor. I, I mean, I really thought that that should have created far more con- uh, discussion and conversation, but it didn't. But I am excited. I'm excited. I know some of you like, you always see the negative. You all, I know I do have a tendency to do that. But I just feel that that was a, a great opportunity for some very important conversations. But I am super excited that we seem to have a lot of people excited to actually study the book of Amos, to actually dig in. Nobody, nobody has emailed me going, why did you pick Amos? I wanted, I wanted the other book. No, 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 nobody has complained or even argued that we picked the wrong book. So, so things are, we're starting off in a very, 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 very positive place. Now I did get a lot of emails, a little bit of confusion about apps, you know, which app, what am I supposed to do? Let me just try to, I'll try to simplify this. The Church One app, Church O-N-E, all run together, Church O-N-E, 
Find that app, download it. When you download it, do a search for Theology Central. Choose us as your broadcaster of choice. Inside the Church One app, there's a little place for notifications or for settings. Just make sure all your notifications are on. Why do I promote that app? One, it gives you the best, I mean, absolutely, it has the best notification system, which gives you the best chance of knowing when we're actually live and doing a program. Two, it gives you a great notification system for letting you know whenever we upload a new message, all right? So that keeps you informed about what's going on. So that's one of the reasons we love the church one. But here's the big one. It breaks everything down into individual series. So if you're looking for the Bible study exercise on Amos, instead of having to scroll through all the content that we produce, because I don't know if you realize this, we produce a lot of content. You just go to series, Bible study exercise, boom, and you can find it. All right. If you need to go back, it's right there. Now, I would say if you're using the Church One, you see, can you do it on the Church One app? I could be wrong here. Let me look here. I'm going to turn the volume down. I don't want to I don't want to make a claim here that's absolutely fraudulent. So, I have to verify something, okay? Um, I don't believe you can. Let me see here. Hang on. I don't believe you can. No, you cannot. Um, I thought maybe you could. I don't believe you can actually no, you can't. I thought you could possibly post comments. If you listen to us on the Sermons 2.0 app, please leave a positive comment if you would. That's helpful. Um, but I, I thought you could do so from the Church One app. It doesn't appear you can. I, I always get that confused. But if you're listening to us on the Sermons 2.0 app, please leave a comment. It just helps people discover the messages. But here's the main thing you can do. If you know anyone, not only who... If you know anyone, not only they want to actually engage in an in-depth study of a book of the Bible, but they want to actually learn how to study the Bible, please share this series that we're doing on Amos and and and, and just work together. Just say, hey, we'll, we'll work through this series together and then communicate with each other and that hopefully by its, by the time it's done, all of my objectives have been met. All right, so are you ready? Okay, now, if you have a Bible, open up your Bible and go to the table of contents. Go to the table of contents. Now, what I want you to realize is, again, and, and I've really been pushing this illustration because I think it's, I think it's beneficial. Not, and I, I don't think anyone has necessarily said they like the illustration, but hopefully at least it's beneficial. When you see all of those books in your table of contents, hopefully you're looking at your table of contents, I don't want you to necessarily see them as books. I don't even really want you to see them as letters. I want you to see them from our perspective in 2022 as a portal. And each one of those books transports you to a different culture, a different place, a different time, a different language, a different religion, a different political situation, a different mor a morality, a different everything. And I, and I want you to understand before you step into the portal, that means start reading the book. If you don't have some kind of background information, if you don't have some kind of framework, we have a tendency to step through the portal and go, look, it's all about me. And we rip everything out of context. I've talked about this over and over and over and over again. Before we even step through the portal, we got to stop and go, okay, where are we going? What's going on? Give me some, give me something so that I'm not so confused and discombobulated when I step into the portal. And to accomplish that in our comprehensive book, Bible study method, we, I have told you and taught you what's called the book background Bible study method, where we study the background of a book before we step into it, before we even read it, we are given some information. And in this particular case, I've told you to get, choose the book, which we already have, Amos, gather all of your tools. Hopefully you've done that. Make a list of all of your tools on paper and abbreviate them. Give them an abbreviation so that you can cite the source at any time that you need to. And then I told you to do kind of a basic kind of a 
survey, an overview of just the minor prophets in general. Because if you look at your Bible, you'll notice as you go through the table of contents, right? You got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and you keep going and you keep going. And then all of a sudden you see Isaiah, you see Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, and then you see a book called Hosea. Starting with Hosea, if you'll count, just stay with, let's count these, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Habakkuk, again, Habakkuk, depending on who you listen to, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Did you count them? Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Haggai, Zechariah, and uh, Malachi. Now, if we go through them and count them, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and everyone should know 12. With those 12 books, you enter into the world of the minor prophets. So not only do we need some kind of a background of the one of the minor prophets we're going to be looking at, Amos, we need kind of an overview of the minor prophets themselves over, over this period of time, over just what, what do we need to know about the time of the minor prophets? What do we need to know about the minor prophets so that when we step through the portal, we're not completely confused and lost? And if we get this information, then whenever we step through the portal for Hosea, Micah, uh, any of these, any of these uh, books, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Zechariah, any of them, we, we will always have at least the overview down in our minds. Now, every time you get ready to study one, you need to do another overview study just so that become more and more and more acquainted with it. So here's what we're going to do. So step one was we choose a book I did. Step two, gather all of your tools. Step three, in a sense, list everything. And step four, I I know sometimes I group the list and abbreviate but or gather and list, but I try to break it down as much as possible so that you, you make sure you take every step. Choose the book, gather the tools, list the tools, abbreviate the tools, and then we have to do an overview of the minor prophets. We have to, not of each book, just over that, over the basic concept of the minor prophets, the time, just a basic summary. And I'm going to help you do that today. That's what I'm going to help you do that. It's not going to be completely comprehensive uh, because the goal here is not to, to now get sidetracked. That, remember, this is very important. In Bible study, maintaining focus and direction is critical. Because there's always going to be a million things to say. What about this? It's it, like it's going to be like, okay, this is what I'm studying. Butterfly. No, no, don't go chase the butterfly. So when we try to get the basic information about the minor prophets, it's not so that we get sidetracked and we start chasing something down that road. We're simply trying to get the basic information about the minor prophets so that we have a better chance of understanding where we're going and what we're going to see when we get inside the book of Amos. So you always have to keep your main purpose in mind. If, if whatever you're, you, you start pursuing, if it's taking you away from your main focus, you, you want to write that down simply as, look at that later. Maintain your discipline. Okay, our discipline is to prepare ourselves to step through the portal so that we can study the book of Amos. If before we even step through the portal, we're wandering off somewhere, no, you gotta, and even when you get into the portal, you're gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna wander off. No, no, come back, come back. What are we trying to do here? We're trying to gain an understanding of Amos. We've gotta maintain that focus. It's so easy to get distracted in Bible study because you got so many things there. So we're gonna do a basic just basic information about the minor prophets. Does that make sense? Now, I, I know this. If you look up minor prophets in a Bible dictionary, there doesn't appear to be an entry, or at least I did not see one. And some of the Bible handbooks, they just immediately jump right in, like just go like, Hosea, boom, go. Some of them will have a little like section or almost like a chapter dedicated to the minor prophets in general. Uh, whatever you need, whatever, put it this way, whatever you find, let me know what you find and how helpful you think it is because I'll turn on the microphone and point everyone to that. 
Remember, right now on the U version Bible app, on the U version Bible app, right? U version Bible app. If you will find the U version Bible app in your app store of choice, uh, look for Theology Central. Choose us as your church is what they call it. Choose us, um, and you'll see the featured plan. Start that featured plan and do the first devotional, right, which is a video, and it kind of gives you an overview of the prophets. You definitely use that as well. All right, I was going to mention that app earlier on after I did the Church One app, but I just want everyone to have the Church One app where they can keep up with everything. But the Version app will be very beneficial. I'll be referencing the Version app at different times, especially depending on what they're showing in the videos or what I'm seeing in the reading plan. But just Version Bible app, search for Theology Central, choose us as your church. You'll see the featured plan, start it, click on devotional and watch the video. There you go. And that'll give you start giving your overview, but I'm going to help you out right here. Are you ready? Book of Amos. There's the portal. You see it? Do you see the portal right there? It says Amos. I know what you you want to go run right in. You want to go run right No, stop, stop, stop. No, no. You can't we can't enter the portal. We need to have a little background discussion. And we know this, that Amos is going to take us into the times of the minor prophets. It's going to take us into that section of our Bible. So what do we need to know? I'm just going to go through some things that I have here in a notebook that I started writing down today. Starting with Amos and going to Malachi, the 12 books are often referred to as the minor prophets. According to some sources, I believe Bible.org was one, this title originated in the late 4th century. Now, some try to connect it to Augustine, and I did not know why, because they never really gave me something that said Augustine is the one who called them the minor prophets. They just tried to relate the time period to Augustine. So, I just say somewhere in the late 4th century, I cannot dogmatically say at this moment, I mean, I probably could, but I'm not going to because I'm just kind of throwing this out there for you. Do we know where the the title Minor Prophets originated? Do, do, I mean, we know the time period. It appears somewhere in the late 4th century, but do we? Are, can we be dogmatic about the person? Why do some include Augustine's name just because he's famous at that period of time? Or, do, I mean, you don't, don't, don't get too sidetracked on it, but do this. Just in any of the overviews you're looking at, if you see maybe a stated origin of why they're called the Minor Prophets or who came up with it, fine. Don't go searching it out because that would sidetrack you. We're just trying to understand the basic situation. M- minor only because of size. The minor prophets are contrasted with the major prophets like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. Those books are larger. The minor prophets, these 12 books, are much smaller. They're not minor in significance. They're not minor in importance. They're not minor in in how much time we should focus on them. However, some, for some weird reason, they're called the minor prophets. And if you look at how most churches actually deal with them or how much information and knowledge Christians actually have about them, I think somehow we're like, they're minor and we're going to treat them as minor. And that is incorrect, right? The, the, they are the minor prophets. That gives us a ba- some basic information, but we, we don't want to stop there. They're called the minor prophets. Minor, because of size, prophets. Let's take a little bit, because what we're going to see in these 12 prophets, minor prophets, are prophets delivering a message. Maybe we need to spend a little time considering the origin and purpose of the prophetic office. Now, I found this at Bible.org. I thought this was somewhat interesting, somewhat fascinating. So let's do a little bit of work on this. Now, I don't want us to get, I don't believe this will, I don't believe this information will divert us. We're looking at the minor prophets. That means we're going to be reading 
in the case, Amos, minor prophet, we're going to be reading his words. Understanding this background may help us understand his purpose and what he's trying to accomplish and understanding what the minor prophets are doing. I think this is interesting. According to Bible.org, and if you come across anything that states something different, let me know. Ultimately, the prophetic office found its origin in God's purpose for Israel as a nation through whom all the nations could be blessed. When God gave Israel the law, he promised them that they would be that if they would be obedient, they would become my own possession, a special treasure of his for the purpose of becoming a kingdom of priests and a holy nation among all the nations. All right. If you look at, let's just look at this. Go to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice, indeed, shall keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. I, I think that's interesting. Hey, hey, if you will obey, then this, you're going to be kingdom of priests. Doesn't mention prophets. But this is connected to Israel, right? If you will obey, this is what will happen. I find that I find that kind of fascinating. Don't you? How about uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4? How about Deuteronomy chapter 4? You may not see the connection yet. You may not see what this has to do with anything, but it, it will all make sense in a minute. Deuteronomy chapter 4. How about verse 6? Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 6. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all the statutes and say, Surely this great nation is wise and and an understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them, as the Lord our God is in all things that call upon him? So the idea is, hey, keep Keep the commandments, keep the law, keep what's been given to you. So Israel, obey, and this, you're going to be a kingdom of priests. There's going to be a nation. Obey what's been given to you. Now, I think this is important. This purpose, right? These, these promises, these purposes could not happen, however, if they followed the beliefs and the ways of the nations. In other words, these things are not going to happen if they find themselves following the other nations. In fact, if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 4, look at, we, we read verse 6, look at verse 7, or verse 8. And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I have set before you this day? Hey, you keep the law, and that's going to draw, make you distinct from all of these nations, which will lead to blessings upon you. Keep the law, follow this, right? Do this. But they could not follow, listen, the, 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 the nations that they were going to be, and that the land that they were going to go into these other nations, they could not follow them. And preparing for their entrance into the land just before the death of Moses, the illegitimate and demonic methods used by the nations to discern the future or the divine will called divination was thoroughly condemned by the Lord through Moses, Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 14. So, hey, you're getting ready to go in the land. They're going to be doing some of these things. Don't follow it. It's demonic. It's evil. It's ungodly. Don't follow that. So see, hey, you're going to be blessed. Keep the law. But then immediately, right before they go in, someone steps up and says, okay, guys, 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 pay attention, pay attention, pay attention to me. Listen, danger right there. Stay away from that. Are you starting to get an idea of the origins of the prophetic office? So how then was God's will to be known? The true and legitimate means by which God's will would be delivered to his people is given in the very next verse. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18, Deuteronomy chapter 18, 
Deuteronomy chapter 18. Right, Deuteronomy chapter 18. And if you'll, if you'll just know what I'm uh, referring to, if you go back to look at verse 9, Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9, when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer, or times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with, with familiar spirits, or a wizard, necromancer, any of those things. So he's giving them all these warnings. Don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do that. Now look at verse 14, for these nations which thou shalt possess, hearken unto observers of times and unto diviners, but as for thee, the Lord thy God hath not suffered thee to do so. Hey, you're going to go in to these lands, you're going to be around these people, don't follow them. So, so think about this, we've got the promise of blessing, we've got the call to obedience. If you obey, you're going to be blessed. Now you're getting ready to go in, you have words of warning, Words of warning, don't do this. I'll be on the lookout. Pay attention. Don't do that. Now look at the next part. So how are they going to then know the will of God? Look at verse 15. The Lord thy God will raise up in unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. Now, on one hand, we believe that may be a, a very much a messianic promise that ultimately le- points to Christ, but it had an immediate context. When you go into the land, how are you? They, the, the land you come into, they're going to be trying to find out the will and what their purpose is and what they're supposed to be doing using all of these occultic practices. How will Israel know the prophetic office was originated so that the prophets could come and warn the people, teach them the will of God, confront them, give them God's warning, God's words of judgment, and God's words of promise. That is what the prophets were designed to do, to proclaim the word of God so that the people would walk in obedience and be able to be blessed because of that obedience. That's really the origin of the prophetic office. That's what they were called to do. I'll read it from uh, the translation that I have here in front of me. The Lord your God will raise up for you. This is Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 22. The Lord your God will raise up from you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him. This is according to all that you asked of the Lord your God in Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see the great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, thou have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who shall speak a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he shall speak in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. It begins to originate the prophetic office. The the prophet is to take the words of God. Think of it this way. The prophet's job is to speak to the people on behalf of God. The the people were too over, like if God was to speak to them, they're too overwhelmed by that. They can't be in his presence. He's too holy. He's too godly. They would be overcome with fear. They would all die. So he's going to send a prophet. The prophets are to speak to the people on behalf of God. That's the prophetic origin. So when you step into the portal of Amos, you have a prophet who's proclaiming the words of God to the people. This re- this revelation forms a biblical origin and reason for the prophetic office, all right? So, uh, someone rightly contends, the origin of the prophetic institution in Israel is not to be found in Canaan nor in any other Near Eastern culture as some negative criticism contends, but was itself established for the specific purpose of guarding Israel against Canaan's superstitious practices as well as those of her neighbors. Now, I think the purpose of the, of the prophets is, is very important, to bring the word of God to the people of God so that they can experience the blessings of God and that they will obey God and they can be warned of that which is not allowed or outside the will of God. 
That's what the origin of the prophet. So when you get ready to step into the portal and you're going to be in the book of Amos, you're, we're going, we're going to look around. And when we step into this, you know what we're going to be looking for? Oh, there's going to be all kinds of things to distract us. Stop and go, who is the prophet here? And when we find the prophet, that's the one we listen to. That is one, the one speaking the word of God. I think this is more. Furthermore, the prophetic office, the origins of the prophetic office, was, uh, was that the nation might fulfill God's purposes stated in the Abrahamic covenant. He gave them specifically promises and warnings. Those are spelled out in Deuteronomy 28 through 30. And the blessings and curses of these chapters, sometimes referred to as the Palestinian covenant, for obedience, there would be blessing, and if, if disobedience, then cursing. So how did the prophets fit into this picture? They would come along and say, because you broke the covenant, the covenant curses fall upon you, or you are about to fall upon you. In other words, it has happened or it's about to, just has God warned you. The prophets are to show up and go, what are you, you're about to, you're going to get, you're going to get judged. I'm telling you, stop, stop. They're there just to remind them of the words God has spoken. In many cases, they're just telling you, here, the consequences are going to come. God already told you what the consequences are going to be. They're there just to remind them of what God has already revealed. In many cases, it wasn't revealing new information. It was reminding them of what God had already said. All right. However, the prophets did not just proclaim doom and gloom. They also proclaim messages of salvation and coming glory. Modern scholars sometimes claim that these positive messages are later additions by some scribe. But God, remember, is the immutable and eternal God of all comfort and grace. So the prophets would usually give a message of doom and gloom. But coupled with this, they would also tell the people about the light at the end of the tunnel to give them hope. Ultimately, God's purposes would be fulfilled and the sovereign work of God and the lives of his people. Sometimes these salvation messages were like crystal, a crystal ball, like visions describing a particular event, uh, which they had seen in a vision. Other times they were claiming and proclaiming the promises of God to Abram and David as given to, into, in the Davidic covenant of 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 16. So, there, so understanding the origin of the prophets, you know their purpose. When you go into Amos, look for the prophet. What is he doing? He's there trying to tell the people, look, I'm going to proclaim God's word to you so you can have the blessings. I'm going to warn you of what you're doing that's going to bring upon the curses. I'm going to try to keep you from it. Oh, I may, I may also give you words of comfort and of, of salvation, and I may point you to things in the future. That, that gives us an idea of what they're called to do and the origins of it. The origins go back really to the people going, Hey, you can't speak us, speak to us anymore. We can't take it. And, 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 and really, okay, well then I'll give up a pro I'll get, I'll raise up a prophet. Hey, you're getting ready to go into the land. There's going to be all these people. They're going to be trying to find truth through all of these occultic ways. How are you going to find truth? You're going to look to the prophet. The prophet will proclaim my word to you because they didn't have God's word any other way, really. Now, what are some of the literary features of the minor prophets? All right. What are some of the, what, because we're getting ready to step into the minor prophets. We need a little bit of background of knowing what, what are we getting ready to see? Like what, what, how, how are these books written? What, what makes these books unique? What, what makes this style? Is this a specific style of writing at work? Here you go. This is important. When we study the minor prophets, we find that pr they all pretty much have the same basic ingredients. Here's the basic ingredients. You ready? Number one, warning of impending judgment because of the nation's sinfulness. Over and over and over, it's going to be warning, 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 warning. All right? So warning of impending judgment. Number two, description of the sin. I'm warning you, and here's what you are doing. Number three, a description of the coming judgment. I'm warning you of coming judgment. Here's the things you're doing wrong. And here is what that judgment's going to look like and entail. Number four, a call for repentance. And number five, usually some kind of 
promise of future salvation, future deliverance, future glory. Now, it's that promise of future salvation, future glory that usually leads to lots of speculation and argument within the church. Why? Because some will say, no, 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 that promise of future deliverance, that was completely fulfilled in history past. We don't look for anything else. Others were like, absolutely not, that wasn't fulfilled. That's pointing to some future deliverance. But at least everyone should be able to agree on those basic elements. When we go into the minor prophets, here's the literary features you're going to look for. They're all going to have the same ingredients. Warning of, of incoming judgment. A description of sinfulness. A description of the coming judgment, a call for repentance, and a promise of future deliverance. If you want to outline a prophetic book, okay, now listen to me. Now, you know what that means? Okay, I used to teach, I taught school at a a Christian high school in Nebraska, if I was teaching a seminary class, if I was teaching a hermeneutics class, any kind of class. I do this even at church. I'll, I'll pound on the pulpit. That means you want to write this down. That means this is important. That means this is super, super important. Write it down, okay? Sometimes when teachers do that and it's like, and then, and then the, and the students still don't write it down and then you, you give it on a test and I'm like, you never said. And it's like, please, let's go back to the audio. I said right here and I even went, and you didn't pay attention. You need to pay attention to this because remember, we're using the comprehensive Bible study. Right now we're just doing kind of a book background and we're just doing a survey of the minor prophets. We're just trying to acquaint ourselves of where we are going, Right? But once we get into the book, once we finish the background study, once we get into the book, outlining is going to become very common. Well, some people find it difficult to outline the minor prophets. So listen carefully. If you want to outline a prophetic book, how do you recognize where one unit begins and another one ends? Not always, but here's something to use, look out for. They sometimes use an introductory or concluding formula like, this is what the Lord says. Then then they use what uh, what is sometimes it will go like this. They begin and end a section with the same word or phrase, and they use several common literary forms. So this is... That are, are, this is what the Lord says. They will begin and end the section with the same phrase. This is what the Lord says, or thus saith the Lord. In other words, there's usually a phrase that will kind of begin it and end it. So if you find the phrase, oh, here's the phrase used, and here's the phrase. That usually begins and ends the unit. That's a good way to look for like, oh, wait, this is what the Lord says. Wait, this is what the Lord, oh, wait, there, that, Look for that, because if they start the section with it and end the section with it, you know, you can, you, you can almost just say, you can group that all together in your outline. All right? The phrase, is some, sometimes I think it's referred to inclusio. I think it's referred to as inclusio. You don't need to know the, the technical terms. Just know that basically there's a formula, and it will be something like, this is what the Lord says, and it will begin and end the section using the same word or phrase. So just be looking out. Oh, this is it. Wait, it's repeated here. Is that is that all one unit? That may help you in your outlining. This becomes very important, all right? Now, there are some common literary forms that are used here, all right? Some common literary forms to be on the lookout for when you get ready to get into the line. Look out for these literary forms. You ready? A judgment speech, which usually contains two parts. Part one, the accusation. You have done this. Part two, the judgment. So the judgment, so look for a literary form is a judgment speech, which usually has the accusation and then the judgment. Here is my accusation against you. Here is the judgment. Number two, sometimes what is referred to as a woe oracle, a woe, W-O-E oracle. It's a, it's like a judgment speech, except it starts with woe unto you, right? So sometimes the judgment speech, usually we would say doesn't have the woe. 
It's just, it's the judgment speech. It has the accusation and the judgment. A woe oracle is basically a judgment speech. It just, it begins with woe. Does that make sense? So you have the judgment speech, which has two parts, the accusation and the judgment. You have the woe oracle, which is a judgment speech. It just begins with woe. Number three, exhortation or call to repentance. It consists of appeal with motivation and the form of a promise and or threat. Exhortation or call to repentance. It consists of an appeal of appeal with motivation and the form of a promise or a threat. In other words, it's the exhortation or the call to repentance is, is here, repent or or do what's right. And and it it so there's an appeal, but the motivation is hey, you're if you don't do it, you're gonna be judged, or hey, here's the promise why you should do it. So it's an exhortation or a call to repent. Number four. Salvation announcement. This often alludes to the lamentable situation and focuses on the Lord's saving intervention. It's a salvation announcement, some kind of announcement of salvation or of deliverance. So number one is the judgment speech. Number two is what we call the woe oracle. Number three, exhortation or call to repentance. Number four, salvation announcement. Next, a salvation oracle. It's introduced by the exhortation, fear not. You've got the, just like you've got judgment speech in the woe oracle, you have a salvation announcement or a salvation oracle. If it's a salvation oracle, it's going to say, fear not. Number six, salvation portrayal. A description often idolized and in hyperbolic terms of God's future blessings on his people. Now, this is a salvation portrayal. Now, this, uh, or, or you call it a salvation portrait or a salvation picture. Let's go with that. Let's go with the salvation picture. Let's go with the salvation picture. Now, this one is controversial because it's going to be describing some future salvation. Now, the problem is, In many cases, that future salvation never occurred to the people the minor prophets were writing to. So you either have to conclude it was all hyperbolic, it was all exaggerated, or you have to conclude that that there is a future aspect of that salvation uh, picture that is going to happen in the future. And it's not hyperbolic. But just be looking for the, the salvation picture, where it pictures salvation. It uses this very picturesque, language to describe the salvation. And then you can have your own discussions about, well, no, it, it, it didn't happen. No, it did. It's going to happen. You can have your own discussions. All right. Um, I'm going to stop there. I have an entire chart we could work on, but I'm not going to work on the chart. We're not going to work on the chart. So what have we looked at? We've identified the minor prophets, right? We've identi- We've talked about the title beginning there. We, we've explained why the title exists. We've talked about the origin and purpose of the prophetic office. We have talked about um, the literary features of the minor prophets and we have talked about uh, the uh, literary forms of the minor prophets. That should give you at least some confidence that now when you step in, you know what to look for. Identify the prophet. Boom. We know what he's doing, right? We know why he's there. We know what's going on. And then when he speaks, we can understand his words by looking at the literary forms uh, the literary forms and the, uh, what else do we want to call them? And the literary features. We, we, we'll, we can understand his words by understanding the literary features and the literary forms. Now, do you think, in your own study, do you think there's something else very, very important about the minor prophets? Just kind of an overview that you think we need to know. I've just done a lot of work for you. I've just done a lot of, but but please at least find, look, this is all I'm asking you to do. Find one source somewhere, somewhere 
that will uh, uh, that gives you an overview of the minor prophets. Find something other than don't. Go, uh, I, I'm making a reference here because I like to give you my. Remember, I said to name your uh, sources. I'm using Bible.org for for most of that. Don't go to that one. Just do you have anything else? And you're like, wait, what about the? Yeah, th- this wasn't mentioned. Now, if you do have something, send it to me sooner rather than later so that we can address it. We may do. I'm going to look. We may do one more episode where we'll do kind of an overview of the minor prophets. I do have a possible source that I've been given the rights to use, and I may I may do that. That's uh, J. Vernon McGee through the Bible. They've given me rights to use their content. So uh, we may, but we'll probably use it and a uh, like an, an, an analyze it and review it. There you go. I'm going to, no, I don't, I know I've, I've got a Bible here, but I know they don't have any, I don't have any notes. Yeah. I'm just looking around me at all the other sources I have that don't have anything, but just, just the, ba- just remember, don't get so sidetracked. I, I don't want you to be like pursuing everything, just basic information. I just want you to have basic information, right? This is your like, you know, preparing yourself, preparing yourself. Okay. So basically think of it this way. You're standing at the portal and someone says, where are we going? Oh, we're going to go into the time of the minor prophets. Who were the minor prophets? What was going on in the minor prophets? What do we need to know about that time? Well, now you've got some basic overview. You've got a pretty good understanding, right? Now we can then enter into a more book background proper study. And we'll do that the next time we're live on the air in this series, because I may be live on the air with 50 of the other series that we're working on, but now it's, I've done my part, now it's your, your turn, All right? Please, please make sure you have the Church One app. It's easy to keep up. Have the version Bible app, look for Theology Central, choose us as your church, and start the plan. Watch that video. That's like five or six minutes, take you, and then you can just take some quick notes. Start, but remember, we're doing the book background, and here we're just using the background, using some of the background techniques to understand the times of the minor prophets. There's like a million other things I want to say, but I'll stop. Now you need to talk. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I hope you're ready. I hope you're committed. Find other people to come along with you as we're going to walk step by step using the most comprehensive Bible study method, right, to go through the book of Amos. Should be fun. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be twists and turns. There's going to be frustrations and humiliation as we stumble and make mistakes, but it's going to be worth your time. All right, get those tools ready, get ready, right? Start start doing your work on your overview on the minor prophets, and then we'll begin our work on Amos, all right? We're, our book background work, we'll be doing that soon. All right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.